0: It's the Patriot Radio News Hour, and I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Happy Friday. Yes, I'm back. Our toll-free number, 800 951 The website at allamericangold.com. I hope today finds you well. All kinds of things to talk about. The Treasury Secretary was out today. We got the government jobs data. I mean, we, we got it all. We got all kinds of stuff going on and more speculation about who the next Federal Reserve Chairman is going to be. And, and the market's just almost schizophrenic today. Gold and silver were getting pounded this morning, and now they've turned around and, and gone... Completely the other way. Matter of fact, both are uh, higher for the day. Uh, matter of fact, gold's up over four dollars. Silver's up uh, about twenty-two cents. Uh, we'll try to we'll try to explain it all to you. Like I said, we we've got the the first negative jobs number in seven years. And again, I'm going to tell you right now, it really doesn't matter day to day. But there is a, a definite trend that is here, and there is I don't know exactly what to call it, because I, I would I want to believe that the government is really trying to be, you know, honest and straightforward with us, but it's really hard to do it anymore. I'm going to give you an update on the national debt today. Something very peculiar happened in the last three three days, four days. Remember, the government's fiscal year ended the last day of September, Uh, so we're going to break down the debt. What happened between uh, last Friday and this Friday? I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Obviously, the jobs number... Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, he's calling for a return to the Wild Wild West, and you know what? I agree with him. Yeah, I do. I think you know businesses uh, should be able to do as they see fit w- within the law. Within the law. The only thing that that I want to ensure is they when they when they do what they see fit and it doesn't work out, you don't take taxpayer money and bail them out. <laughs> right. So we're going to talk all about that as well. And and then, of course, the another hurricane is coming. And, and now they're saying they're unsure it's anywhere between Louisiana and the panhandle of Florida. Uh, I guess it's supposed to come this weekend. I don't know if it's going to be a big one or not a big one, but uh, just something else for them to give reason as to why this happened or that happened. And then we are going to also go to what cities are in line for bankruptcy. Of course, we know about Connecticut and Hartford, Connecticut, what cities are in line. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I was expecting to see a bunch of little ones. Not that Hartford's a little, but it's not a, you know, when you talk about uh, the big cities in America, Right. Hartford's not anywhere near the top of the list. It's, it's probably not even on most people's list. Uh, this one, uh, very, very interesting. And, of course, all of this happening while we're in this record stock market rally, and and it, it's amazing to me. It really, really is uh, when you look at what's really happening out there, and, and they talk about this great jobs market, the unemployment rate, the lowest rate recorded since I've been at Patriot, and I've been here 14 years. Right, The lowest rate, I don't know uh, what like the all-time low rate is, I haven't looked it up, but we're getting really, really close to it uh, and, and at the same time, the number of jobs created was a negative number this month. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave you with that. When we get back from the break, uh, we'll cover uh, more of that. I will say this about the next Federal Reserve Chairman, and I say next because I, I don't think it's going to be Janet Yellen, but but I'm, you know it could be. The Trump administration, uh, you know, remember, I think on Wednesday, the last day I did a show, we talked about that it could be the dark horse was Neil Kashkari, the Minnesota Federal Reserve guy. They're they're denying that rumor. They're saying that he is not in consideration. Uh, I'm still sticking with my guy. I think it's going to be Jerome Powell. And like I said, again, very bullish for people that do not want rates to rise. Uh, that liked the weak dollar this morning. I was watching the idiot box and I try not to, but I just couldn't help it this morning. And they had one of the billionaires uh was out there. He he one of those active billionaires, right? He goes in and and forces his way onto the boards of, of these big corporations to get shareholder value and, and all of those things. And I it was really Fascinating because he was sitting there talking about the weak dollar being a good thing, and, and really, and everybody is repeating this. And of course, we've had a dollar rally here in the last like what three weeks. I mean, think about what gold. did. gold lost uh, at the low this morning. Gold had lost a hundred dollars in a matter of three weeks. Of course, now gold, gold's turned around, but it still it still has lost what eighty four dollars, eighty three dollars because we've had a little bit of a dollar rally, but was going on and on and on about how the dollar needs to be even weaker. Uh, Patriot Radio News Hour. We're going to do the jobs data when we get back, and then we're going to talk about what happened to the debt. Patriot Radio News Hour, 800-951-0592. The physical delivery of wealth insurance everybody needs to have it how much does your portfolio weigh uh, because I don't think it's I don't I mean I know it doesn't weigh enough uh, Nelson Pelt was the guy's name by the way he he made some really really good points and b- before I get into this jobs number because what was fascinating is you know this was on CNBC. And by the way, viewership on CNBC—I don't know if people know this—22-year low. Because right? no one owns stocks, you know, the rich people. The he went on a very simple, intelligent, uh, really uh, conversation about why rates shouldn't rise and why the dollar needs to be lower. Of course, this is from a network that used to talk about strong dollar, strong dollar, strong dollar, right? That's all they used to say, right? You know, all these things that used to be true that aren't. And, and what he said is, he goes, hey, we owe people a lot of money. <laughs> Why would we want to raise interest rates and charge ourselves more, right? And I was like, wow, you know what? That's a brilliant point. Right, we owe $20 trillion. Why would we want to raise rates to make them more? And then, of course, he goes, the dollar's got to go lower. And he's right. And I know he's right, and I, and I know I'm right. And, he, and, he, and he's talking about if we have any chance at growing again, the dollar's got to go lower. Interest rates cannot rise. And, and I'm going to tell you my fear. Isn't this little BS where, we, you know, the Federal Reserve pretending they're in control and some of the banks go, I still haven't decided if I'm going to vote for a rate hike. Right? No, you know, all that, you know, that's all BS, right? They know already. They already know, listen, there's really no way out of this. We're going to pretend to keep everything together. But my fear is going to be when it all does fall apart and then the rates go the other way, not because they want to, because we're going to default. Right? And that's what's going to happen. But, but, but if you want to find that Nelson Peltz was the guy that was on, and, of course, they're all, listen, all the billionaires are excited. Right? The regulation's been reduced, and, and they're all going to get a tax cut. So everybody's happy. Hurricanes Harvey and Irma damaged not only Texas and Florida, but also the U.S. jobs picture, right? That's the headline. And the, the number was negative 33,000. That was the number of jobs created in the entire United States. And I and I'm and I'm thinking to myself. And this was a September number. First of all, Harvey was in August. It wasn't in September. It, it happened in August. And yes, it was late August. But you would think, right, by at least mid, you know, if not the first week of September, by the second week, surely by the third week. And most definitely by the fourth week of September, they were hiring people like crazy to clean all this stuff up. Apparently they weren't. And, and I guess that Dallas and Fort Worth and Austin and San Antonio, right, who weren't affected at all, don't contribute anything to the economy, if you want to believe this jobs number. And, and Florida, right, that was a September number. And remember, we missed the big one. The big one missed it. We got lucky. Yeah, the Florida Keys got hit, but no one, listen, I don't want to minimize what happened in the Keys, but that's like a whole little separate small piece. It's not really a big economic powerhouse at all. And the rest of Florida got off pretty easy. The United States lost 33,000 jobs in September after the hurricanes hit. By the way, they said the unemployment rate fell to 4.2 percent. Only in America can we lose 33,000 jobs as the unemployment rate go down. Do you think maybe I don't? I'm just going to ask a simple question: If the Phillips curve and remember, for those of you that don't know what that is, this is why all of these Fed governors are so stumped. When the unemployment rate falls to these levels, and by the way, this 4.2—that's like historic low levels, right? We've only been this low in the—and uh, I'll say in the modern unemployment era, okay. And by the the modern era, go back to say 1971. You know, and really, the real modern era is probably not till '81, but let's go to '71, since that's when we left officially. The world left the gold standard. These are numbers that are almost never seen, right? And you remember the the GDP of the country about two, okay? But if the Phillips curve, which said, hey, these wages and all of this, everyone's supposed to be making a ton of money, and we should have an inflation rate, according to the Phillips curve, of at least three, maybe even pushing 4%, and they're saying that thing may be broken, would it stand to reason that other things are broken, not just this Phillips curve? And I think Phillips is getting a bad rap. Because they've changed the rules of the game since he created the the formula. It said in the in the report there was a huge loss in restaurants and bars. A hundred and five thousand jobs were shed. Now these are supposed to be new jobs. So are we to believe? That Houston and Florida, and, and, you know, it was a lot of Florida, so I'll just say Florida in general, okay, the whole state, that they're responsible for all of the bars and restaurants opening throughout the country? That's what we got to believe? I mean, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Also in the report, by the way, and this is another thing they didn't want to tell you about, the July number, which they said was 189,000, turned out to be only 138. So we lost 51,000 jobs we thought we had in July. By the way, unemployment rate still went down. August, they did revise up by 13,000. So they went from 159 to 169. So they went back to the July and August numbers and took away 38,000 jobs, and then said September was negative 33,000. So according to the government, this is all because of the hurricane. Hurricane. One that happened in August, which which miraculously, they said, created 169,000 jobs. Apparently that hurricane didn't do anything to the August number. That because of these hurricanes, so we got what about 170 and 140, Let's call it about 155,000 jobs we were averaging in in July and August. That Houston, Texas, because let's face it, most of Texas wasn't affected, but Houston, that Houston, Texas, in the state of Florida, accounts for all the jobs being created in the United States, because that's what it says. I mean, if we lost Florida and we lost Houston, then you would say, okay, well maybe that's, you know, twenty thousand, right? Go high. I mean, there's there is forty nine other states besides Florida, right? And and yes, Houston is a big city, but I mean, Texas has Dallas and Fort Worth and Austin and then I mean, there's a lot of big cities in Texas that just the city of Houston and the state of Florida account for all, if we don't have Houston and Florida, there is no job growth in America? I mean, obviously that's not true. And I sit there and I watch these numbers come out, and they, you know, blame the hurricane and all of these things, and they, the bars and the restaurants and the drinking establishments lost 105,000 jobs. and And, of course, I've been saying all along, the jobs restaurant, jobs market, that can't continue. And and, and whether it helped or didn't help, it, it probably really doesn't matter. But the funny part about these great jobs markets, and I heard people on the idiot box talking about, we've got such a great jobs market. Do you know that we've created less jobs this year than we did last year? And, of course, we created less jobs last year than we did the year before. I mean, it's not that great. It's just not that great. Matter of fact, it actually makes no sense. And so it leads me to conclude, what else isn't right? Right? I mean, we had a hurricane in Florida. I mean, I don't even want to count the one in in Texas. That happened in August. By September, we should have started seeing some rebound, you you would have thought. But we went from a hundred and... 69,000 jobs in August to negative 33,000? And then you start to wonder, okay, what, what really are they doing? Who are they fooling here? What is the real state? And the unemployment rate went down. And of course, all of these, with their adjustments and all of these things, something isn't quite right. And then I ran across this one, matter of fact, I think Ramon has it, has this on our website. I'll confirm that, but I think that he does, and it should have been the lead article. The headline reads: "Stunning U.S. Government Debt Increase in the Past Few Days, While well, No One Noticed." And we just ended our fiscal year. And remember, they raised the debt limit till December. And we didn't know if they were going to update the number or not. They did. And what they did is, on as an example, on August the 18th, the debt stood at the 800 and. 45 and 44 billion because that was the limit. And it stayed at that 844 845 number all through the month of August and into September all the way until the 8th of September. Right, Really, it had been at that number for months because that was the debt limit ceiling. Then the number jumped To twenty trillion one hundred and sixty-two billion dollars. Right, that was on September the eighth. So in one day, the the debt jumped up three hundred and eighteen billion dollars. But remember what I told you before that that it was going to take a while for them to account for all of it. Why they don't? Who knows? But they like to pretend. They don't want it to jump, you know, a trillion dollars in a day. They like to extend it out. So the first time in U.S. history we said that we owed $20 trillion, the Treasury would have to pay out $7 billion in extra interest payments just on that $318 billion. So remember what Pelt said this morning. Why would we want to raise rates with all the debt that we owe? And you start thinking, boy, that's a a pretty good question. But then the government did something else this week. We'll talk about that next. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education,
1: the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. A decade ago, Phyllis Schlafly and others repeatedly urged President George W. Bush to pardon two courageous Border Patrol agents, Ignacio Ramos and Jose Alonso Campan, who had been unjustly sentenced to 11 and 12 years in prison for doing their job in shooting a drug smuggler near the Mexican border. The smuggler was merely wounded in his backside, while our Border Patrol agents were sent to prison for more than a decade. Yet, President Bush would not pardon the agents, even after one of them suffered a beating in prison at the hands of hostile convicts. Instead, Bush waited until his last full day in office and then merely commuted their sentences, leaving the agents to linger for additional weeks in prison and be hampered in finding good jobs after they finally were released. Trump's decisive pardon of Sheriff Joe Arpaio in August is in welcome contrast to the ineffective leadership of the past. Sheriff Joe was elected six times by the fourth largest county in America, Maricopa County in Arizona, a hotbed of illegal immigration and widespread crime caused by the illegals whom Joe worked overtime to arrest. This pardon was a necessary step to curb the misuse of the federal courts, which are now stacked with Obama and Clinton appointments who repeatedly rule in favor of liberal groups and against the will of the American people. In what took Bush years to do only incompletely on his last full day in office, it took only a few days for Trump to do completely at the first opportunity. Presidents should not wait for the legal system to destroy someone before issuing a pardon to cut off the abuse. The justice in President Trump's pardon is not merely that he exonerated Sheriff Joe, but that President Trump did it quickly to prevent further injustice against this hero. Prior Republican presidents would have been too cowardly to pardon Sheriff Joe, and Republican leadership in Congress pathetically criticizes Trump now. But the need to check judicial supremacy requires acting promptly to block the overreach, and Trump's pardon of Sheriff Joe proved why he was Phyllis Schlafly's choice, not an echo.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Can activist judges be stopped, or will they continue to overturn laws with no regard for the Constitution or the will of the people? Connect with us at phyllisschlafly.com to hear alerts on rulings made by never-elected supremacist judges and to share your viewpoint. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour 800 951 zero five nine two let's put it in perspective in one day the debt jumped 318 billion that 318 billion equates to seven billion dollars in interest payment and that's if they did it all on the 10-year note right if they and which we know the government doesn't do they do you know 30-day 90-day one year, two year, five years, so it actually probably is a little higher than seven billion, but we'll you, you use a good case number. That means we're spending four hundred and fifty billion dollars just to pay the interest. Now imagine if it the interest rate, you know, went from where they are today at one, right? Well one to one and a quarter, and they want to double it. They want to get to two to two and a quarter. Just imagine what happened to the national debt. So Peltz today was like, why would we do that? All this is going to do is cost us billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, here's where it got interesting, though. At the end of September, which was the end of the government's fiscal year, Remember, I've been telling you, right, the debt keeps growing. And they said that on September the 29th, that was last Friday, the debt was $20,244,000,000,000. And about a, you know, it it had grown a little over 40, almost $50,000,000,000 from when they reset the debt clock. Then, this week, after the fiscal year ended, the very next day that the government is open for business. So, close the business on the 29th, you got the weekend, you open for business on the 2nd of October, and miraculously, the debt jumps $100 billion in a single day. So now the government, they didn't want to come out and tell us that the, the national debt was $800 billion. <laughs> they didn't want to do that, so they said, I know. Let's move that $100 billion into next year and just say that we're at $700 billion and everybody's going to be happy. And I think the official number was $690 billion, something like that. And then the very first day of the next fiscal year the the debt jumps a hundred billion dollars in a single day. And they they they've added eleven billion dollars to the national debt in the last forty five days just in interest payments. They're still not done that hundred billion dollar jump. We're, we're probably going to get a couple of more of those as well between now and oh knowing the government probably stretch it into November maybe even early December and we are going to be by the time we get to the end of this year the calendar year we'll have a a debt uh, that's quickly approaching 21 trillion dollars but for every 300 billion dollars, we add to the debt. You got to tack on another seven billion dollars in interest payments, and and now a debt that's going to be uh, twenty-one trillion dollars. You're talking about national debt interest payments that are creeping up to half a trillion dollars. The notion that the Federal Reserve will continue to increase rates and begin to liquidate its inventory of mortgage-backed securities that no one wanted in 2009 and 2010, as well as some of its high-quality Treasury toilet paper, is pure bullocks. Uh, by the way, uh, this is uh, one of my favorite sites uh, in, in the uh, SR, SRS Rocco. Uh, he's the one, and he does great work as well. And and what I like is he takes, and if you go to our website, Ramon's got this article on our website, he actually takes the screenshot from the government's own website, which is always my favorite, right? When you say, hey, listen, this isn't me making it up. I didn't go and do some complicated math. I went out and pulled it right off the government website. And, and talking about, you know, where we're headed and, and really it's almost impossible for us to really go anywhere from here. The interest rate, if it went back to 6.4 percent, by the way, that's what it was in 2000. You know, when I, I tell the story all the time when, when Sarah and I, we bought our first home in Anthem. It was one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and it was you know nothing fancy, 600, 600, 1,600 square feet, right? Brand new, one hundred thirty grand. Now, brand new homes, three hundred grand. <laughs> but don't worry, the interest rate's a lot less at six point four percent, which was a normal rate, by the way, for. You know, think about it. If you go back to the 80s and the 90s, right, This, even, the, you know, you throw out the, the you know, the 70s, we saw the spike, right? We had the super spike. But that's average. Interest on the debt would go up another 1.3 trillion. It'd almost be $2 trillion. Just to go back, to what would be considered a you know an average interest rate for most of my adult life and so when you really talk about what it is that when we turn on the idiot box or we hear Janet Yellen speak or we hear uh, Steve Mnuchin the treasury secretary or president trump and all that it's pure nonsense you can't have rates rising at a time when the national debt already exceeds 20 trillion and in the next 10 years it's going to be 40 and then you start thinking about what it would what we would have to actually pay and they talk about getting GDP to 3 or 4%, and really what they're talking about is what? We want inflation to rise. And it's almost a self-defeating prophecy. Because, it, could you imagine if the economy was really growing at 4%? They'd really be raising rates, they would. And of course, all they would be doing is what? Adding hundreds of billions of dollars to the national debt. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back on a Friday. They've got the data screwed up so bad. They made so many adjustments that today they try to convince us that without Houston and Florida, the United States loses 33,000 new jobs a month. Oh, and by the way, the unemployment rate will still be falling. Then we find out this week that the government miraculously, the the day, the first day of the new fiscal year, the debt jumps to 100 billion dollars because it didn't happen last year. We don't want we don't want that do that that 800 billion dollar number to be breached. So let's—I know. Let's just tack it on to next year, and that way we can say it was the tr- the Trump tax cuts did it, right? Right. All of this happening, and then today, the Treasury Department took its turn. It issued a report this morning, laying out guidelines for loosening regulation in order to encourage the growth of U.S. capital markets by streamlining the regulatory system. That always sounds good. We just want to streamline it. We can make the U.S. capital markets a true source of economic growth which will harness American ingenuity and allow small business to grow, said Steve Mnuchin. Yes. Another one of the Goldman Sachs guys. He's the Treasury Secretary. Now, that's almost like a foregone conclusion. Like, the Treasury Secretary almost always does got to come from Goldman. So what he said, because that's a mouthful, was we need to loosen regulations on big financial institutions in order to help small business. <laughs> Who are you kidding? Right? Like that's really yeah, well, the only way that we can help small business is to give our buddies the opportunity to make hundreds of billions of dollars and more money. I guess, right? Let's let's just make life easier for them already. Of course, these are the same people. Of course, none of them went to. Matter of fact, none of them even admitted any wrongdoing. That led. That caused the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression, right? And now one of their guys is saying, "Hey, we need to loosen, you know, we need to loosen these regulations. We need to streamline. We need to streamline stuff for my friends, right? So that we can help small business." So I was like, "Okay, that's you know, that's kind of the 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 company line when it comes to." Uh, when you hear anybody talk about regulation and tax cuts, all of it kind of the same. We need to give it to the richest of the rich, and then it'll trickle down to everybody else. The Treasury report addressed a wide swath of capital markets. Right? That's your, your financial institution. Developed from equities and treasuries to corporate bonds and derivatives. In light of the shrinking capital markets, the Treasury made several several recommendations. And really, what's happened? Nobody's in Wall Street, right? I, I, I talk about or try to talk about how low these volumes have gotten, right? And we've done that a bunch of times, right? The, you don't even trade a billion shares on the NYSE anymore. I mean. We actually broke below 700 million shares this summer. Repealing, so what do we need to do? Repeal sections of Dodd-Frank. Remember, Dodd-Frank was the solution to Too Big to Fail. Then we found out their solution was to stick it to all of us. And I guess the little bit of control that they put on to the financial institutions now they want to get rid of. You know what one of the requirements isn't that they want to get rid of? They're not going to get rid of the new bail-in requirement where we'll just take it from the depositors. That's not in here. I looked. It's not in here. They want to repeal sections of Dodd-Frank for requirements for mining and other natural resource companies and company disclosure of annual employee compensation compared to with that of the chief executive officer, right? Hey, doesn't matter what the CEO makes. We want to get rid of that. Right? We, we shouldn't have to. By the way, our CEO makes $20 million and our, everybody else makes $10 an hour. We don't want, it. We want to get rid of Somehow that's going to help small business. i'll read it to you again repealing sections of the dodd frank act involving disclosure requirements this one for mining and other natural resource companies right so this is your oil drillers your oil companies right all of that natural gas about having to, to disclose Employee compensation compared to with the compared with the CEO. Right? That's apparently, that apparently that that costs a lot of money to do that, apparently. Right? I know you go down to HR and you say print the payroll report so we can show it. Increase the amount that can be raised in crowdfunding to five million dollars from a million. Okay. This is the This is what we're up to. This is yes, this is gonna be brilliant. I'm gonna create a crowdfunding site right now. And I'm gonna set that limit at five billion bucks, because it's gonna help us. I'm gonna give you the other ones that they came up with today. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. By the way, this is two of four. The Treasury's got two more reports. This is report two. We don't want to tell you what the CEO makes compared to everybody else, because if, if we stop doing that, that'll help small business. If we increase the amount you can crowdfund to $5 billion, well, that'll help small business. Uh, they want to open up private markets to more investors and revisiting accredited investor definition. A. Uh, uh, I don't know what that really even means. I'll look into it. Limiting the use of informal guidance and no action letters or interpretation to impose new regulation. In contrast to making rules through notices and comments. Now let's get rid of that. Adjusting disclosure and other requirements for companies going public, right? Hey, listen, you know, we don't need to know that much about these companies. Why right? we you know you just investing your whole life savings into these. Why should we know so much? And here's what they're upset about. The Treasury pointed out the number of publicly traded companies in the United States has fallen by 50% in the last 20 years. Of course, most of that really occurring when? (laughs) After the crisis, right? Because they brought rates down to nothing. And what did all these companies do? They just bought each other up. Most of this, too, by the way, and if you go back another, if you went back even further, it'd be even bigger. Because of the rules they changed to begin with. That allowed all of these mega financial institutions to be created in the first place. But like I said, none of that's going to be out front. You're not going to read about or, or hear about President Trump talking about this. This is this is privately why all the billionaires are so excited, because, hey, they're going to make life easier for us to make a bunch of money. I mean, that's really none of what I read in there. I don't want to see how any of that helps small business. Do you? But yet there's the headline. U.S. $10 and $5 Indians. We've got them both. On special today, the female ten-dollar Indian at six eighty-five. The male five-dollar Indian, which, as most of you know, if you've listened to me for any length of time, this is my favorite coin. I think it's the best coin we ever made. Uh, that's below four hundred bucks for the first time in a long time. Three hundred ninety-five dollars on the five-dollar Indian. Uh, those are the gold pieces. Remember, the Indians came around uh, when we introduced the Saint Gaudens, but they didn't mint them for a lot of years because they thought they carried the plague because they carved into the coin It had that incuse design on the five-dollar Indian. So the five-dollar Indians, three ninety-five. The ten-dollar Indians at six eighty-five. At eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Uh, gold's at $1,273 in change, up three bucks. Silver's at $16.85. cents. Uh, silver's up uh, over 20 cents. Uh, the Dow, don't worry, it, it's down, but only a little bit. Because, you know, negative 33,000 jobs is fine because, you know, Florida and Houston create all the jobs in America. So next month, uh, it, it'll be a lot better. Don't worry. KJR Radio News Hour, everyone have a great, great weekend. And remember, it's your ordering that keeps us here. Thank you so much. Everyone have a great, great weekend, and we'll be back on Monday.